y'all welcome back to the blessed beyond measure podcast i'm your host ceo the source i'm back with another new episode and look i got somebody special with me man this gentleman right here with me he's my guy man i've been knowing this dude for over 20 years man we done been through a lot of shit and uh we uh we came up together early bro like we went to high school together man shit we've been on this earth for a long time man and uh you know i'm, I'm very very excited to have this guy with me bro um this guy wears san francisco on his back all over he, he reps it Everywhere he goes, man. It's my boy right here, DC man, Dave Canales. What's up, my G? What's up, Chris, man? It's it's it, like you said, bro. It's dope. It's 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 just dope to reconnect, man. Like mm-hmm. and be able to have an opportunity with the climate being what it is, man. To be able to like still connect with each other, even if it's virtually. But like, like I said, bro, I ain't seen you in like twenty years, man. But it's, it's, it feels like a it's like just like riding a bike, man. It's good. Oh, bro. You know what I'm saying? That's that's love right there, bro. It's been a long time, but you know, it's like we picked up right where we left all type of shit, man. And, you know, off camera, we were talking about just what you got going on, man. And that's the, the main thing I, I'm so excited to share with the audience, man, because you got a ton of life experience and, you know, your life has changed courses a, a number of ways, man. And, yeah. you know, why don't you, first of all, tell us how you holding up in the pandemic, brother? I mean, you know, I'm doing the best I can. I mean, it hasn't been, for a lot of us, it hasn't been easy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I work full time and I'm, I'm, I work, I work for San Mateo County. I'm in, I'm in behavioral health and recovery services. I, I'm a counselor at a group home that's run by San Mateo County. So I work with high school kids, uh, well, 12 to 18 year olds that are living with mental illness, um, emotional disorders and going through some tough times. Right. And so most people had to work from home or weren't allowed to be at their jobs during the pandemic, but uh, because we were essential workers, I mean, if we're not there, these kids, uh, you know, they don't have keys and they don't have access to some of the locked things. They need us to be there. Gotcha. And so for me, I mean, that first Monday we was back at work and I've, I've been working this whole time. So there's been some, like, I'm sure a lot of people have been like, I kind of had their ups and downs about working from home. Oh, this is cool. I don't got to go to work. I can dress down. I'm at the house. But then there's negative things that come with that, right? Like I'm bored. I'm trying to get out. I'm, you know. So for me, there was some sense of normalcy and routine that I appreciated being able to kind of just like go to work like I do every day. But outside of that, um, you know, I mean, I'm a social guy. I like to interact with people. And it's been hard not seeing my family and my friends in person. Um, up until recently when uh, most of us got vaccinated and uh, my job offered free vaccinations to their workers. And so I was able to get vaccinated and I understand the privilege in that. And I, I was, I was really happy to be able to have that, that option. Um, but, you know, I've been able to at least reconnect with some people physically, which has been, which has been real dope, but, you know, I'm just trying to stay connected with people, man. You know, a lot's been happening. I just had a son um, who's my first child. Uh, he'll be four months tomorrow. And, you know, I'm, I'm here with my wife. I'm not by myself, which is another blessing. Um, I have somebody that's been with me every step of the way through this. And, you know, I'm also blessed to have both my parents still around so I can call them and talk to them, FaceTime with them. Um, like I said, I, it hasn't been easy, but I'm probably doing better than most. And it's something that I, I have to recognize and appreciate. Yeah, man, that's that's you exercising a lot of gratitude right there, bro. And that's something for me that I've, I've recognized that's helped me battle through a lot of my mental issues. You know what I'm saying? You go mm-hmm. through certain things that get challenging and it's easy to kind of look at like what you don't have and, and really get down on yourself and beat yourself up, especially in a society mm-hmm. where it, a lot of different things, things are prioritized. You know what I'm saying? I, I am really happy that, you know, nowadays the priorities have shifted towards focusing more on mental health, man. I was curious, how did you get into your field, bro? I mean, I got in, I got in on a fluke, bro. Um, I was, I wasn't, I mean, like, like, like I was telling you off camera, like I, before, between the ages of like, I started working in, in mental health when I was 22 years old, right? I just turned 22. And, you know, between 18 and 22, you know, the high school you and I went to was really structured, right? You and me went to a private high school in the city, mm-hmm. right? And it was really structured. Um, and they kept me in line and I did well and I graduated, but when I got out, I kind of like, just, you know, was like trying to make up for all that structure, you know, and trying to just do everything I could, man, you know, and 
I made a lot of mistakes and um, got into a space that like, it was, it was hard. It, it was hard. And I, I was really struggling with my identity. Um, you know, I'm biracial. Um, I have, my father is an immigrant from Nicaragua. My mom is a, a white woman who can trace her lineage to San Francisco back all the way to the turn of the, the 20th century. Um, so I come from two different kind of backgrounds. Mm-hmm. Um, many of us are, are multiracial in Frisco, but like, that's my, that's my background. And, you know, I always had my pops in my life. You know what I'm saying? And like, a lot of my friends did it. And so like, you know, and I come from a certain neighborhood that isn't like talked about much when it comes to San Francisco. Um, and, you know, a lot, of the, a lot of people I was hanging out around were from different places. And so I just had a lot of identity stuff going on. Like, who am I? Right. And, you know, what I want to do, I was pursuing rap. You knew me in high school, I was rapping. Um, and just trying to be somebody that I thought other people wanted me to be. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and left me in a spot where like, I don't know what I'm doing. Like, you know, and I, th- I think it's okay for us as adults to kind of say that, right. And be like, shit, I don't know what I'm doing. And I don't know if what I'm doing is right. Mm-hmm. And I've been working at like, I worked at like Home Depot and Coma for like two weeks. I worked at um, UPS in South City for like a month. Like I was just like doing different things and like, I don't want to do this. I want to, I don't want to do these different things. And uh, one of my homies, one of my OG homies was working at a place called Edgewood, which is a nonprofit group home. And like just a, just a facility for like mental health and like wraparound services for the community. Um, and it was in my neighborhood in the sunset. Uh, and they were hiring counselors and, you know, I didn't have my degree. I dropped out of college. Right. And so I was like, all right, I need a job. And I'll never forget, man, my first paycheck dude was $9 and 67 cents an hour. I, this is in 2000, November of 2007. And I'm a group home counselor. Like, I don't know how many people know what that's like, but when you work at a spot where your clients are dealing with like severe mental health issues, we're talking bipolar disorder, we're talking, um, you know, major depression, we're talking um, like self-harm behaviors, um, suicidal ideation, suicidal attempts, um, you know, runaways, kids that are C-sec, which is, you know, commercially sexually exploited children, right? Like, and all these different things that these kids, trauma, 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 right? Like, every day, you never knew what was going to happen, right? I mean, they train us to restrain, like, you know, we have to like, this is back in 07. So this is, you know, over 13 years, this is 13 years ago, where the culture was more like, oh, if they're violent, you got to like, hold them and like, put them out. And, you know, we've learned over time now, you know, because I still do this work, that just re-traumatizes people. Like, so, but when I'm 22 years old with no training hired off the street, you know, I'm, I'm doing what my bosses are telling me to do. And even I know, like, this ain't right. And I ended up leaving that place. But it's one of those things where, like, every day was was crazy. And there's, I don't know if you know about vicarious trauma, but no. vicarious trauma is when you take on the trauma of somebody else. So maybe you've been through a really traumatic experience, really traumatic, and I'm with you all the time. And, I, and I'm watching you kind of deal with that trauma the only way you know how. And it could be really scary or really uncertain or really violent um, or anxiety provoking. And I'm with you in it all the time. I start to wear that. You get what I'm saying? I start to wear that with you. Like I didn't experience it like you did, but because I'm around you, it can kind of, it it affects me. Hey, I'm with, I'm with Chris and Chris is going through a lot and I, I respect Chris and I like Chris and I don't like that he's going through this. And now it's starting to really affect me times 25 because I got 25 kids I'm watching and they've been through some of the worst things that I won't even talk about man we'll just leave it at that but like you know and it starts to mess with you man it really does and even though I felt like I was doing a good thing and helping these kids out and they get to see somebody who's like not just like a someone who like has a degree and read the books and comes in and wants to save the world like I walk in and a lot of these kids are from Double Rock, Eddie Rock, uh, Potrero Hill, Sunnydale, Towerside, Lakeview, you know, the parts of the mission, like, and they see somebody like me that can talk like them, that walk like them, that, you know, that understands the music they listen to, like, and they, they kind of gravitate towards you. And you're like, damn, I'm making a difference, right? But it's heavy, man. It's real heavy. And so it's like, you know, I got into this because of a, a homie, but 
I stuck around because I realized the type of influence I could have. And also that like, it made me feel purpose. You know, like, okay, everything that you've been through, whether it's similar to these kids or not, all of it was for a reason. And all, and you're here right now because you're the best fit to be able to work with this particular, you know, client in this particular moment, you know? And I don't, I don't latch on to every kid. Some kids be like, I don't like you, Dave. And it's good, I just, because. <laughs> that's cool. That's cool. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like we don't like everybody we be around, you know, but it's all about mutual respect and mm-hmm. getting to understand that I'm here to help keep you safe and I'm here to help you, you know, get further. Right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, but I mean, it's crazy. Like I never thought I'd be in a field like this. I mean, and I look at, but you know what it does, it makes you look back at your relationships with like peers and family and you start to realize like, Oh shit. Like you, you might've been dealing with something back then that I had no idea about that. And I think about it now and I'm like, I'm sitting with my homies. I'm like, you were depressed, huh? You know, or you were dealing with a lot of anxiety, huh? Uh-huh. You know what I'm saying? And they're like, you know, and I start to explain things. They go, damn, you're right. Now I'm not your therapist. That's a conflict of interest. And I'm not a therapist. I'm not a licensed therapist. But like, it's, you start to understand more. And when you meet people and you interact with people and you see their behaviors and like the way that you start to kind of be like, sums up, right? Like, you know, we've all had trauma in one form or another. Uh-huh. Right. Mm-hmm. But, it, you know, you got to learn how to like. Some people need medication for it, but like really what it comes down to is like, how do you cope with it? How, how, like, what do you do to get yourself through the day? What do you do to get yourself through next week? What do you do to get yourself through next month? Like, what are your support systems? You know, like who understands you? Like who's there for you? You know, and I, you know, it, it's, it's there's a, I mean, we could break that all down, man. It's crazy. But like I said, <laughs> If I was sitting across from you senior year in a homeroom or whatever, bro, I, w- I wouldn't have been able to tell you in 20 years, this is what I'm going to do. That's crazy, I, bro. I thought I'd be like rapping, bro. But, and I am, but it's not the same, bro. It's, yeah. it's not. And, uh, you know, and I still love, I still love making music, but you know, now what I'm doing is I make music with my clients. You know, that's dope. I got access to, there's a studio that I utilize out in the sunset called, uh, there's an organization called sunset youth services. Uh-huh. It's out on 40, it's on Judah between 45th and 46th. And it's run by some really, really, really good people. And some of them that raised me when I was running around the avenues as a kid. And they have a full-blown recording studio. They have two recording studios actually on site. And we, I bring my, I can bring my kids in there and they can do music and I help them with it. And, you know, um, it's like something to watch them come out of a lab, bro, with like a finished product. And they listen to it for the first time. And like, I, it makes you think of like, when I used to record in high school and you finally heard like a side, finally got a song done, like, and you listen to it like a thousand times in a row. Yeah. Like being able to listen, like that, that's everything to me. Like I'll probably have some sort of future in that as well one day. But, um, and, and you're seeing it in your kids and your clients, uh, like just seeing them like with that final product and seeing the look on their face, like, damn, I really accomplished that. And it's, ah, that's dope, bro. Like, I feel yeah. like, you mentioned that you kind of got into this this position as a fluke, but man, yeah. I feel like everything's by design, bro. Whether yeah. you whether you knew you were gonna do it or not, there's a reason why you had to go down that path, bro. And mm-hmm. bro, that work that you're doing that you ended up in, that's amazing work, bro. And them, them yeah. kids, you know what I'm saying? They're affected the most in these traumatic situations, in these like um, in these areas that are affected by you know poverty, by violence, by all sorts of different traumatic things, but you know, to be able to have somebody that they can relate to, like yourself, bro, that, that, yeah. that you know, can can speak to them on a level, you feel me? Because even like what you said, bro, if somebody just comes out and tells you, hey, Dave, I don't like you, you feel me? Like, and you don't take that personal because it's just a mutual respect. Like, right. you've got to have that shit in order to establish that trust in the relationship, mm-hmm. in, in order to even have a place to begin to start to to, to build, right? Couldn't agree with you more, man. You know, and you know, it's like, I tell myself, I'm 30, I'm 36 years old. I'm going to be 37 uh, this year. And I am not too stubborn and I'm not too like arrogant to believe that I could learn something new from a 12 year old dude. You know what I'm saying? Like I've learned things from kids that have much more wisdom compacted in them than things I've learned from college professors, you know, and it, it's, and, and you got to let them know that like, dude, you know, you, you can affect people. Like, it don't matter aging. And you know, one thing we talk about a lot, me and kids talk about a lot. And I think a lot of like native San Franciscans fall into this category too, is like talking about like the generational differences, right? Mm -hmm. Because I mean, like I was telling you, like we all, when I was a kid in high school and I went to high school in San Francisco, 
like 85% of the kids that I went to high school with were either from San Francisco or they were at least from like Daly City, South City, somewhere, somewhere close by, right? But they were raised there. Like, and we see what the city is now, mm-hmm. you know? And, but a lot of these kids are still, you know, we, got, we do have some kids that are still growing up there. And like, we talk a lot about like the generational differences, like what was high school? Cause they'll ask you, what was high school like for you? First off, I think it's dope that they even care that they would even ask me that, right? Um, but like, I, I there's there's you know, there's obvious nuances and differences. Like, there's things that you and me dealt with in high school that were probably a lot harder to deal with than our parents dealt with in high school. For sure. When I look at this generation as kids and what they have to deal with on a daily basis with social media and smartphones oh. and instantaneous gratification, right, bro? You remember, bro? Like, you know. If you went to a party in high school in 2001 and you got stomped out by somebody on a, on a bad night, you know, someone had to be there to watch you get your ass kicked. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, and, you know, someone could talk shit to you about it, but they weren't there. They didn't do nothing. It wasn't, it wasn't, you know, it, it, it is what it is. It's all hearsay from there on out. And you have to, you know, and I mean, I've had those nights when it's been a tough night and I wake up the next day, like, damn, that was an embarrassing night. And today's going to suck when I go to school. You know, these kids ain't even waking up from being unconscious yet from a, from a one-on-one fist. If they're even lucky to get into a one-on-one fist fight, right, with the way things are now, like, they don't even wake up yet, bro. And it's already all over the place. Everybody's seen it. Everybody, it's like they're all there. And the, the, the type of, like, anxiety and stress and, like, you know, what that must build. And that's just one scenario. I mean, people also talk shit on social media, you know, girls have, like, boys have body images too, body issue images too, like, you know, but all that stuff is involved with it, or like the bullying, the cyberbullying, and like I said, you you had to come talk shit to my face when I was in high school, I'm not a violent guy, but I'm just saying, if you was going to talk shit about me, you'd have to come tell me that, you know, this is how I feel about you, and we'd have to either deal with it or not, but at least you, you that's what I had to be. Now, like, people have, like, anonymous accounts, they can talk shit, and they can mm-hmm. screenshot, and photoshop, and do all these different things. Could you imagine how stressful that must be for a 15-year-old kid, man, that's going to high school and just trying to live their life? Like, and you know, I really empathize with these kids, man, because like they didn't ask for this. This is technology and the time they live. It is what it is. It's a whole nother beast, bro. Right. But the mental health strain that comes with that is crazy. Like you got to go to school every day wondering, what if I trip and fall in the hallway and somebody got their camera out? And I blacked it, looked stupid for a quick second, something that we could laugh at for 15 minutes and be done with it. But this shit gets turned into a vine or it gets turned into a TikTok video and they put music behind it and, you know, all these different things. And they, you know, it, blood is crazy. And crazy. Like, you know, and I, a lot of the kids that I deal with that have gone into full psychosis or had a total like psychotic breakdown has been because of the, it's been the result of something like this. Right. So typically, how do you how do you approach, a, you know, one of those examples, bro? Like, what are some of the methods of of helping them through that? Well, I mean, so there's different types of like, so like, once again, I'm not a therapist, right? Let me be very clear about that. Um, I have my master's degree, but it's not, I'm not a licensed therapist, right? I'm, I'm a counselor, right? And, but there's different types of mental health, like practices and therapy, right? Some are more popular than others, right? A lot of people have heard of CBT, which is cognitive behavioral therapy, right? Uh-huh. That's kind of one of the more popular ones, right? At my job, we do this thing called dialectical behavioral therapy. So it's DBT. Mm-hmm. And the biggest part of what we do as counselors is formulate relationships with these kids. And we show them that you can have a positive adult in your life who is supporting, who is you know, there to back you, who is there to set limits, who is there to not be your friend, um, but to be a support system for you. Um, and we kind of like show, we model that for them. Right. So, like I said, you know, do I hang out with these kids after they leave us? Nah, it's not professional. Right. Like, especially if they're still minors, not nah, right. But like while they're with us and while we have them and it can be anywhere between six to 18 months, right. That's our program usually rock. Right. And, you know, during that period, it's a lot of like formulating relationships, setting the example, right. Like, showing them how to be like showing them social cues, like trying to read a room, like 
hey, if that kid's crying over there because they're going through something, it's probably not the best time to laugh. Like, you know, different things like that. Or, you know, um, this is how you talk to somebody if you're trying to engage in a conversation. This is how you do a job interview. This is how school goes. And this is what's expected of you and different things like that. Um, but we also really foster their individuality because we, we want to celebrate that, right? A lot of these kids, they're hella dope, dude. Hell yeah. Like, and a lot of them are talented as hell. hell like, yeah. trauma can sometimes do that to people where it's like, it can totally like, a tra trauma can occur. It can open up different type of like coping methods. Sometimes those coping methods are real fucked up, right? Some people go into drug use. Um, I shouldn't say fucked up. They can be really harming, right? And where the drug use, um, alcohol abuse, um, careless sexual activity, um, self-harm, right? Different things, uh, you know, suicidal thoughts. All that stuff, but sometimes it's like, I want to write about it, or I'm going to pick up this instrument and learn how to play, or let me grab this paintbrush and see what I can do with that. And then these kids, bro, I can't lie to you, bro. Some of the kids I work with right now, I, like I have one resident I'm working with currently who is by far the most talented singer-songwriter that I've ever worked with. And when I say work with, I mean like in music, but I help this kid, she, you know, she writes all her own lyrics and plays all of her own music. But sometimes she'll come to me and be like, Hey, you know, I'm trying to figure out how to like structure this verse. I'm not sure I want to do it. Mm -hmm. Here's a couple ideas. What do you think about it? And I'm like, well, you know, maybe if you took it to this octave or if you brought to this chord and this chord, cause I know a little something, right? Like, you know, like, and we, and we worked together, but super talented. Right. But the trauma is like, it's, it's, it's in there. It's deep, real deep. Right. And so, you can't expect people to go through some of the things that these kids have been through and just be like, I'm fine. If they were like that, something's really wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, so, you know, it's about getting these youth to understand that they've been through some tough things. They've survived these tough things and there's light at the end of the tunnel, but here's some different options of how to be able to find that light. Maybe they don't all work for you, but we're going to try to find one, you know, um, and hope that they can become, I mean, their version of success, when I say successful adults, right? right Whatever they right. define as success, right. because my right. idea of success doesn't have to fit them, right? It's, it's, it's subjective, right? Yeah. And so, yeah. you know, and it's all we can do, right? It's all we can do is, is be able to provide them with, with structure and guidance well, and care. Well, and bro, you know, not to cut you off here, but I have to applaud you and again, say amazing work that you're doing for you to offer these resources to people, especially the youth that are going through these difficult, challenging, traumatic experiences in their life and, and allow these resources for them to achieve that breakthrough, whatever that, that needs, whatever that means for them. Yep. That's amazing work, bro. And like I said Thank earlier, you. bro, like I really feel that it wasn't by accident, bro. It's by design, right. it's by universal designs, by a higher power, bro, because you yourself, you know, off camera, we were talking about a lot of the things you've been through, as well as the stuff that I've been through and stuff like that, we all have mm -hmm. traumatic experiences. And especially at our age, bro, we didn't really know quite how to deal with it. We didn't. Not we, at yeah, all. We, we didn't, you know, we went to a private high school, but we didn't really have a counselor that we, we could really fuck with like that. You feel me? Like, we kind Never of- Never met like, one in high like, school. Like, for me, bro, like, you know, not to make this about myself, but one of my coping me methods was to get fucked up all the time and, and mm -hmm. get myself into wild shit, bro. And, yep. you know, thank thankfully, I'm still here, bro. So I, I still believe that there's a bigger reason for it. But, you know, for you to, to you know, ultimately get into the line of work that you're in right now, bro, it's all by design. And, you know, you've also been in music heavily. So, like, the, the fact that, like, all this stuff is, like, connecting, Bro, yeah. that's just amazing, bro. It is, it is. You know, you know like, yeah. And, and the one thing I really be clear with these kids about is like, you know, self-disclosure is, 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 a, is, a, is a skill set that we use as counselors, right? Like you got to know, and therapists use it too, right? But you have to know when, you have to know how, and you have to make sure that you're doing it for their benefit and not for like your own therapeutic benefit, right? right. These kids shouldn't be leaving our care knowing more about me than I know about their yeah. progress. Right. Because like I said, if you ever ever go see a therapist and you walk out and you feel like, you know, more about them than you have you know figured out for yourself, they're a shitty therapist straight <laughs> up. Right. So you have to be able to know when and when, you know, when and where to use it. So one of my best skill sets and I've had supervisors tell me this in multiple multiple sites that I've been at is that I use self-disclosure really well. And there's certain clients that tend to like bring it out of me better. Like I know when to use it, right? 
Um, and so like when I work with a lot of black and brown males, because uh, by the way, most of my clients in the 15 years I've been doing mental health work in the Bay Area have been black and brown males. And many of them are misdiagnosed. Many of them are misunderstood. Um, these are the kids that the teachers are sending out of classrooms because of cultural differences most of the time. It's not because these kids are assholes or because they don't listen or that's all bullshit, bro. Like ain't no such thing as a bad kid. I hate when people say, oh, they're being, you're a bad kid. Bullshit. Ain't no such thing as a bad kid. Just like there's no such thing as like a bad dog, dude, or a bad pet. Like there's bad owners, mm-hmm. right? So there's poor parenting. There's poor guidance. This kid is born like, you know, like not bad. They're not inherently like that. That's bullshit. You know what I'm saying? Like, and so, you know, you got to be able to understand that about these kids. But like the, with me, I, the, the, my self-disclosure goes into the point of showing them like, look, when you look at me, what do you see? I like to ask them that a lot. And it's a, it's a compliment for them to say that, you know, to, to put it simply, you're an adult that seems to have their shit together. That's like the greatest compliment I can get from these kids is when they look at me, oh, you're successful, you got a job and you graduated from college and you just got your master's degree and, you know, you know and you're cool and you're smart and all, I get all those because they're teenagers, right? And I'm like, that's cool. I go, but you know, when I was your age, like I wasn't all of those things. Like I didn't have a master's degree. I didn't graduate from my bachelor's yet. Like I was still making a lot of mistakes and I don't go into detail exactly about what I've done or what I haven't done and stuff like that. Um, there's certain things I'll tell kids, like kids will ask me, do you smoke weed when you were a kid? We're from the Bay. I'm like, that's cultural, bro. Of course I did. You know what I'm saying? A lot. And, you know, and I would tell them like, you know, you guys, you read their files and they're like, they used to just kind of like get caught at school with weed all the time. We're like, man, I used to, I'd be high at school all the time in high school, you know? But I, I, I like to circle back by telling them like, do you know how much I missed or like, how, like how much school I missed because I my priorities were different or like I could have been more active in athletics, which is a real big passion of mine. If I would have just been like, ah, I'd rather not smoke. I'd rather go to practice. Like, you know what I'm saying? Stuff like that. And I, I tell them things like that so that they understand like, you know, like a lot of the stuff that y'all are dealing with right now may seem like it's on, on, a, on a societal and on a peer level. A lot of the stuff y'all dealing with seems really important. And I get why it seems that way. You're going to get older. And you're going to look back at it and you're going to realize I could have done some things differently. Mm-hmm. And the one thing I, I, I preach to them is, look, if I, I can't sit here and tell you absolutely everything you need to know as a 30 something year old and you're 16 and expect you to get it all right now so that from here on out, you won't make no mistakes. That's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Developmentally, they're not going to be able to. They can't because think about how many times you were 16 and adults told you something and you were like, it made sense. Of course, it was the right thing. But you, you got to live your life and make your mistakes. It's just what it is. You just got to hope that these mistakes aren't ones that are permanent. You know what I'm saying? That you can't come back from. And so I try to use those scenarios in different situations with these kids to show them, like, look, you're going to make mistakes. You're going to fall. Like, you know, um, can you get back up? And, you know, and, and let me, there's some things you ain't going to be able to get back up from. I work with a lot of gang youth. You know what I'm saying? And how how it's such a big part of their lives. And I'm not going to sit here and tell you that gangs are bad. You know, I mean, there's positive things for some of these kids that they find in this stuff, right? I'm not here to hate on that. Mm-hmm. But the one thing I tend to ask them is, I, like, I, had, I had a youth a year ago who was really involved in that. And I was sitting there and I look, I said, you know, what are your goals? Like, what do you want to do? And this youth told me that they were like, well, you know, I do want to graduate high school. I said, let's go. He's like, but then I got to get locked up because I got to level up in a pen. And they won't take me seriously if I don't do that. I'm looking at him like, okay. I go, so you're telling me that you want to get locked up. So when you get out, you know how hard it could be. I'm assuming you're trying to commit a felony because you're trying to be there for a while. Like you're trying to do your thing in there. He's like, yeah. So all right. Really hard to get a job with a felony, especially being, you know, black and brown, you know. Um, and I, I, I would tell him like, look, bro, like, you you get upset when we tell you what to do here. You know, hey, you got you got you got you got to clean your room. You got to brush your teeth. You got to go to school. But you're gonna be a grown ass man, and they're gonna be like, you got to shower. You got to stay in this cell. You know what I'm saying? You got to do this. You got to do that all day long. I go, how you gonna deal with that? That's cool or that's not cool. You know, and like, well, this thing is presenting them with these options. Mm-hmm. And then you know, saying like, I asked, I was like, look, man, I'm just be real with me. And he's like, yeah, I said. How many 
how many uh, uh, how many accomplished how many how many you know how many how many OGs you know that are in this that are my age that outside of illegal activity are doing well with their lives like at this point like they own a house they're investing they got a family around them you know what I'm saying they're making good money they're not worried about the police no more and he's looking at me and I'm like for real like just you know I tell you what tell me later think about it take some time like you know what I'm saying you got time right now. He came back to me the next day, like, I can't think of one. Wow. I'm like, so what's going to make you different? Wow. He couldn't answer that. He couldn't answer that. He couldn't answer that, right? And I was like, all right, bro. Well, look, I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. If this is what you want to do, I cannot stop you. But what I can do is present you with options, because I don't think a lot of people do that for you. You're looking at one thing, but I can show you 10. You know what I'm saying? And you can figure out which one works for you. But stop boxing yourself into just one, dude. Like, you're better than that. Just don't, you know what I'm saying? Like, and that's not a knock on your OGs. It's not a knock on your homies. Like, well, you better than that. So stuff like that, right? But it's self-disclosure, too. It's telling them, like, I have fallen. I have made mistakes, you know? And maybe I'm not gang-affiliated like some of y'all, because I've never been, you know? But I understand how it works from that, from, like, a secondary perspective, mm-hmm. you know? And I've seen a lot of people take that route and not bounce back, right? And so, you know, it's just, it's all, it's about all that stuff. And like, I, I try to use my music to do that too, mm-hmm. right? I'm not gonna sit up here and get on no soapbox and preach to people. That's not for me to do, man. Like, and honestly, no one really listens to that. You gotta have connections with people in order to do that. Exactly. Right? You have to have that relationship, right? Mm-hmm. To be able to touch people like directly like that. Otherwise, I'm just somebody on a soapbox talking, right? And it's, mm-hmm. it's so I really try to like, find certain ways to be able to convey messages without sounding like I'm higher than that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, and I'm very open about it. I'm very much like, look, I'm a working class kid from the city, not from the hood. You know what I'm saying? I got two good parents. I went to Catholic school. I'm not hiding any of that about me. That's the truth. You know what I'm saying? But that doesn't mean that I can't help paint a picture for you musically that could affect you in a positive way. Right. Because I refuse to do this like bang, bang, shoot them up, pimping, dope dealing. That's just not who I am. You know what I'm saying? I can't talk about that stuff and ha- expect y'all to take me seriously. You know, mm-hmm. And I know that's what's popular and that's cool, but it's just not for me. dude. And so I, I feel like I've got a decent amount of uh, a, I had a decent amount of buzz a while back, you know, and I mean, I mean, you know, I did music about football for like five years. And that's my most successful music, right? As far as selling and, and, and reach, right? And that's cool. But like, you know, I love, I mean, I'm a big Niner fan. Everybody know that about me. And like, I love that. And I love that I was able to use my love for sports and San Francisco and music and throw them all together and turn it into something cool and get something out of it. That was dope. Because my other music never got me to tour, but this Niner stuff did. I've been like, I've been to like 10 or 12 different cities across the country. You know, what What happened is they'll fly me out and I'll, wherever the Niners are playing that weekend, I'll go there and there's events that happen the whole weekend because Niner fans are deep and real and dope and some of the best fans in all sports, no no bias, but like it's true though. And, and you know, we, like, I mean, we even do things like they'll, they'll have these big meet and greets for the weekend and they'll get together and they'll go like work at a soup kitchen. It'll be like it'll be like this big meet and greet, right? Where it's like, hey, the Niners are playing the Falcons in Atlanta this weekend, you know, and everybody's out here to watch the game on Sunday. But on Friday, we're gonna have a meet and greet, and everybody can meet with each other. But Saturday morning, we're gonna go volunteer at a soup kitchen, and all of y'all are welcome to come. Stuff like that. So I'm like, man, let's go do that. Let's go. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, and so I get to kind of interact with different communities, and then you know, then I'll perform. I'll do my music in the parking lot before the games, or at like different venues the night before the game whatever and I got a lot of love doing that I got a lot of love doing that and it was it was was awesome but I used that as a springboard to be able to push my message of like because tucked in those songs it's not just like you know um Niners are the best Joe Montana Jerry Rice Ronnie Lott we're winning a Super Bowl and that's the whole song right a lot of that happens right you know what I'm saying not to knock the other artists bro because they do their thing that's not how I work my whole thing was to build community with it, right? So I, a lot of my Niner music was like, hey, y'all remember when this happened? 
And the thing is, is like, you know, I'm, I'm a historian, bro. I'm really into this stuff, right? And so I will, I'll bring up a moment. And what will happen is someone will listen to that song and hear that moment. And it's not always just about the football moment. Like, you know, like, it ain't always like, oh, yeah, Vernon Davis caught that touchdown against the Saints and it was we were going nuts in the stadium. It's, nah, I was sitting next to my dad when that happened and my dad passed away two years ago. And I'll always remember that moment because it was one of the best things. And I remember all the things I used to do. That's why I do it. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's why I do what I do. You know, and I think a lot of when I, when I get people to come up to me and talk to me about that, because it first started, bro, when I first started doing the Niners stuff, the first thing that happened was like, you know, my first one was called Die Hard, right? Mm-hmm. And it was all about just being a diehard Niners fan. I never thought that song would be what it was. Okay. I recorded that song in my partner's bedroom and only made it for my tailgate for the six or seven guys that I tailgate with, because they used to say that all the other Niner anthems that were coming out weren't dope. I disagree with them, but I was like, look, okay, well, whatever. I'll make one for us then whatever. And then YouTube and just YouTube period. I don't know what happened, bro. It just did what it did. You know what Mm -hmm. I'm saying? you know, SF, uh, the Chronicle said it was the greatest Niner anthem ever made. It, it was like, it was tight, right? I was like, I can't lie. But what would happen was I would have people coming up to me and they would try to tell me that they're like the most diehard Niner fan ever because X, Y, Z, right? And I mean, the, you get the ones that would come up to you and be like, mind you, this is a football game. So a lot of people are intoxicated and talking out of the ass. Yeah. But you get the ones that will come up and be like, oh, I'm a diehard fan because I've had season tickets for 40 years. I'm like, that's tight. Or I'm a diehard fan because I've been to every stadium and I watch my team. I said, that's tight. But you get those dudes, oh, bro, every time I see a Cowboy fan, I fucking knock his ass out. I'm like, <laughs> well, I don't care. You're like 45. Wait, why, yeah. why are you priding yourself off that? And that's when I started to realize, like, look, um, you might have more reach than you thought you did, Dave. Like, you know, kind of like reflecting on myself. You might as well use this platform to kind of try to alter some things, right? And so that's why Die Hard is what it was. But all the rest of them from there on out, they, it, I just I didn't want to make it sound corny. And that's one of my best one of my best skill sets is to be able to get a message out there without sounding like a cornball. Right. And, and being able to kind of include all these different moments and all these different things, because if you listen to my album, my Niner songs, bro, like it, like I said, a lot of it is like very much like centered around moments mm-hmm. that actually occurred because one, I either lived it myself. Two, I lived it and I was there. Or three, you know, my pops has talked to me about a lot of stuff because I'm, I'm born in 84, right? The Niners started really doing their thing in 81. And, you know, my pops would take me to Candlestick all the time. I mean, I was a baby. You know what I'm saying? I don't remember this stuff, but my pops would tell me. It. And it really kind of set, it, set in that, that, that foundation. Mm-hmm. And so I like to be that bridge to connect with all the different generations. The best compliment I can get is when I get someone walk up to me and says, I don't even listen to that rap shit, but I love your music. <laughs> That's tight, bro. Like when you get some like, you know, like some rocker type dude to come up to you and like, I fucking hate rap. You're Niner songs. You got them rapping while I'm performing. That's like the like in the crowd. That's the dopest, man. And it yeah. wasn't until 2019 when we went down to New Orleans and Jimmy balled out against the Saints. And we had that big, I mean, that was a big game, dude. I mean, we ended up kicking the game winning field goal and like my first performance ever was at Candlestick Park in the parking lot at Pole R for like 100 people in a parking lot. Okay, that was in 2011, all right, 2012. Flash forward to 2019, I'm in New Orleans, Louisiana, and there's 5,000 Niner fans in the crowd. And I'm rapping on stage and I'm looking out and they know all the words. Wow. Right? And now mind you, I know where I'm at when it comes to the hierarchy of rappers, right? I get it. You know, I understand, you know, I'm sure there's like other fan bases that have teams. They don't know who the hell I am. There's Niner fans that don't know who the hell I am. And I'm okay with that. But there's not a lot of people from here that can tell you that they've been on the other side of the country for whatever reason performing. And there's 5,000 people and you can cut the music and let them rap the song out. That's crazy. Right? And so I got to go ahead at one time and just kind of be like, man, it's a pat on the back, bro, because I work hella hard at this stuff, you know? Yeah, But, man. like, you know, it, it helped me because, like I said, to link the mental health piece into this, too, is, like, I've always had identity stuff. I think a lot of people do. I really do. 
we're always morphing. We're always adapting. You don't want to be the same person when you're 35 that you were when you were 21, that you were when you were 12, right? Yeah. So we're always changing. But I've always been able to find identity in music, right? And once I realized that this is the realest I've ever been to myself, which is just being, and that's why I said I used to go by Heat, right? All y'all knew me as Heat when I was mm-hmm. a kid. But I, I kicked that and I'm like, well, I'm just going by my, my, a version of my real name, right? I mean, David Canales, right? Let me just be Dave, you know? And like, I, I you know, that Niner music is really Dave. Like, that's just me. And I don't curse on my Niner music. So anybody, grandkids and grandparents and everything in between can listen to it. And it's, mm-hmm. it's, 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 it's appropriate. You know what I'm saying? Like, and it's cool. You don't have to, you're not stepping on no toes. Like, and that's a good feeling, especially when the kids really listen to it. When the Hell kids yeah. are really into it, that's dope, man. I, I I seen a kid in Arizona last week on social media who they have these big Niner barbecues during the off season all the time too, right? All these like fan clubs, right? Picture it like, like motorcycle clubs, like Hell's Angels, where they have like different chapters everywhere all across the world. Okay, they have like the Niner Empire is like chapters all across the world, right? And I do mean the world, right? I know people in Germany, Diehard Niner fans that come to five games a year. Why? Wow. Right. So, but I seen a kid, a 13-year-old boy, in he was in Riverside, but he's from Phoenix. And this kid was at this barbecue performing my song. Like a like, like it's my song, like it's Empire. That's the song I wrote. That's my it's like song, a little right? kid. I think I seen you post this on your ground. And he's up there rapping word yeah. for word. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole thing, right? And I'm just watching this like. How dope is that, bro? That's like, you know what I'm amazing. saying? Like, to know that, like, there's somebody else out there that, like, is really, like, and, you know, this probably comes from his pops or something, right? Because, like, you know, I'm sure his dad probably started playing the song and the kid heard it. And he's like, I like this. This is dope. And it's something that they can connect on together. So you know d- do me a favor. Describe to me how that feels to you, bro. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, like I can imagine from my perspective how amazing that is. Anybody listening to this can be like, bro, what a feeling that must be. But Give us a better illustration of like what that feel, what that felt like to you, bro. I think initially when I started doing music, I did it 100% for me. And I used to tell people that when I heard artists go, oh, I love my fans. I do this for the fans. I used to think that was a thousand percent bullshit early on. And for some people, it might still be. But I think when you realize the effect that your music has on other people that you have never met, these people do not know you. Like th- this kid does not know me. I've never met this kid or his dad or his family or anybody, you know? And to know that I have this much of an effect to where on Sundays, you know, they put YouTube on in the house and my videos play back to back before the game starts. To know that it's part of their rituals on Sundays. Like that people have, dude, I've seen people, I've, I've heard, I haven't seen it. I've heard people have had some of my lyrics tatted on them. What? Like, which is like, what? Are you serious? For real? I mean, I think about people that got pop lyrics tatted on them, right? I'm like, right. Not, come, come on, bro. I can't even really deal with that. Like, yeah. you know, but like the words mean so much to them. Like, and you know, it really makes you feel like I've always done my music as an expression of myself. That's how it always began because I never thought I would have reach. You know, once you realize that you have reach, even if it's just a little bit, you start to r- realize how heavy the responsibility is on your part, you know? And I've, I've kind of like, I've kind of like embraced that responsibility, right? I've taken it on and it's like, that's, it means something to me. And so I've told fans from the get, like, I, and I say Niner fans, not my fans. I told Niner fans from the get, like, I'm not going to put out a song every year so I can stay relevant with y'all. I can walk away with the five I got now and call it because I feel like, you know, it's like Joe, bro. Joe won four Super Bowls, never lost one, walked away. It is what it is. You can't touch that, right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, if I get inspired to do something new, then I will. But I do know that what I've done to this point has, has made an impact on people, you know, even if it is just one, per, like 10% of one fan base out of 32 teams in one professional sports league in this country. Like, you know, that's still cool, though, bro. That's still cool. And I tell my kids, like, even if you guys have like one song that y'all put on YouTube and it's only got 10 views or hundred views and you've had it up for a year, that means a hundred people literally took time out of the day to, to listen to what you got 
and you don't know what type of effect. You don't know if that one person has played that video a thousand times from the same IP address and it doesn't register because, you know, it doesn't count like that. You know what I'm saying? You have no idea. You have no idea. There might be somebody else that's going through something that only your music could touch. You know what I'm saying? And you can help that person, mm -hmm. right? You can, you can be the change for that person. And so I'm like, look, I'll never quit doing music. I'm done with understanding that it's not going to be a career for me. And that's fine because college counseling and school count, high school counseling, that can be a career for me. And I'm great with that. I'm great with that. Yeah. Right now, what I'm trying to do is work with collegiate athletes, right? That's what I got my graduate, my graduate degree in is college, college counseling, and particularly with student athletes, right? And so, you know, that's what I really want to do is mental health, holistic work, career development, um, so like a career skill building with athletes. Because, you know, only 2%, less than 2% of all high school athletes in this country ever gets to be professionals in their sport, right? I mean, you and me went to a pretty prestigious high school. How many of them have been, how many of them made the NBA from our high school? Jeez. I can't think I can think of one from the 70s. It's NBA. Football, I can name two. You know what I'm saying? All right, right. Shout out to Eric Wright and, and Derek. You're Lillard. right. But That's like, right. you know, I can name a couple, but think about the thousands and thousands and thousands. I mean, you and me had kids in our high school class that we thought was going to the league. For sure, for damn sure. But life happens. And you don't realize that, it, I mean, this is such a small profession. And that's the thing is we tell these kids, you're going to make it to the pros. You're going to make it to the pro. And we sell short any other type of success. Right. Like if you at 6'6", 215 pounds with a 40-inch vertical don't make it to the league, you ain't shit. Mm -hmm. And that's bullshit. That's bullshit. Bullshit. Like there's so many jobs in sports. Like that are dope. You can be an agent. You can be a statistician. You can be a coach. You can be a trainer. You can do what I do. You know what I'm saying? You could like all these different things. You can be a, a scout. You can be all these different things that you could do that are dope. Do even digital arts and camera work and like all these different things. Social media and uh, you know um, all sorts of stuff. Mm -hmm. All sorts of stuff. You know that that no one talks about that because one they don't know about it. They're ignorant to it. And people will always kind of be like, look, bro, you, you know, you either rap or you play hoop or football or you do street shit. Otherwise, then what? And then they think like, what? So they can't be doctors. They can't be lawyers. They can't be firefighters. They can't be financial advisors. They like can't that's be it for them. Teachers. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like principals. And, and then you wonder why these kids go through school. Like, fuck school. Because they don't see they, they don't they don't see the guy. They, they, they don't see the goals out of it. And a big position of why I do what I do is because I want to show them that, like, look, look you got to get that mentality out your head. Like, right so what if you ain't got a consistent jump shot? You know how many people you can help? Like, you know, man, you know how great of a life you could live? Like, mm -hmm. you know, and you and I both know people that, like, that they got to a certain position. And then it's like when they realize that, like, professional sports wasn't what it is no more. Dude, we'll see some real depression at that point. Mm -hmm. And who's there to help them? You know, who's there to help them? Who's there to support them through that? You know? Good point, man. I was, uh, I want to share a story with you, bro. Like I, I used to work at this hotel uh, out here in, out here in the city, actually, man. And uh, we used to get all the NBA teams, bro. I remember specifically, I'm not going to drop no names, but mm -hmm. he was a talented ball player. And I seen him at the restaurant, bro, was by himself with this blank look in his eyes, bro. Just like, you know, drinking like shots, just like to the neck, like nothing, bro. You could mm -hmm. tell, bro, was like depressed. You could tell, like he was in the NBA. So, like, you know, the average fan is gonna be like, "Oh, he's got money. He's oh, he he could do this. He could do that. He's good." Like, but that's not even the case a lot of times, bro. And mm -hmm. you know, I just remember seeing this blank. I'm, I'm literally visualizing this blank look on his face right now. And he he kind of fell out the league, bro. And uh, mm -hmm. it was a sad thing to see because he had hella talent. And like, I always used to look at him. I'm like, this dude could this dude could be like one of the best players to do it. And he just never really quite put it together. And there's tons of stories like this, bro. Tons, and, tons. and you know, what's crazy is bro. Um, that's again, that's why I'm so happy that the mental health discussion has really made its way to the forefront of, of priorities and importance because it's important, bro. I worked for the golden state warriors recently prior to the uh, pandemic shutting down. And mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that they promoted uh, at least within the warriors 
but they offered free meditation accounts. Like I, I, I was able to get this free uh, account for Headspace. Headspace. Which, yeah. Which yes, taught, taught me a lot about meditation and how to like, you know, uh, reflect inwards and do all that, all that inner work mm-hmm. that you got to do that to deal with all that trauma. Cause you, can you imagine, bro? Like there's like 450 to 500 players in this league, bro, out of the entire world, bro. Yep. And they're going to hostile environments every night, if not every other night traveling away from their family and they, they come from a lot of the times they come from the hood bro you know what i'm saying yeah, and, so some it's like, from, and some from rural hoods bro where it's different right like they come from like the rural hood like it's exactly. not like the concrete that we know like nope. it's, it's different it's real it's, different it's, it's real yeah exactly yep. bro and they and they you know what i'm saying they out there in these environments people cussing at them you know, especially now, you've been keeping up with sports. I'm pretty damn sure people are spitting yeah. on people spitting on folks. Yeah. People on their DMs shit. on social media because they can access them there. Right. It's, it, the reach is is, is right. crazy, bro. It's it's you know, and it's funny, but like you bring that up because like I wrote my thesis in my grad program. I created, I I took there's um there's mindfulness meditation that is created specifically for athletes, right? Mm-hmm. Particularly like the college level and the semi-pro level, the club level, the Olympic level, Mm -hmm. professional. What I did was I took one that already existed and I I credited it in my thesis, right? And what I did was I changed some of the developmental pieces to it and I applied it to high school students, right? And so I did my thesis around mindfulness for high school student athletes. So that's why when you say headspace, I'm like, bro, yes, like this is what we do, right? Because there's special types of meditative techniques that apply to the athlete, right? The scholar athlete. And I, th- I was telling him, we was off camera. I said, we'll come full circle, right? Mm-hmm. I have to do an internship, right? For I had to do three internships for my program, right? And so my first year, inter- well, I was, it was my second year of the program, but my first year internship, I went back to Reardon, bro. And I interned at Reardon for an entire year in the counseling department. And I was assigned to work with 40 seniors, right? Now, most first year, first, first year interns are only going to get like five to 10 clients, you know, because of my mental health background professionally, my supervisor had a lot of trust in me at the time. And he was like, look, we're going to give you 40 seniors. Most of them actually play sports. And I was doing mindfulness techniques in the office with these kids. And you'd be surprised <laughs> at first, they're like, what the hell is this? And then you'll see them. I, I would go to games and I like particularly basketball games. This is when Reardon was killing it the last two years because they've been they've been doing their thing. But I'd watch some of them on the bench doing the techniques that we talked about. And you know, that breathing, yeah. We made eye contact, and I was I was pointing at my head like I know what you're doing. You know what I'm saying? It's working, right? It's working, right? And he's like, you know, and so yeah, it's it's it's, bro. You can have all the physical ability in the world, bro. Hey, Chris Weber was great, but I do remember him calling a timeout when they didn't have timeouts left. Mental errors. I seen the other day. I can't remember which game it was, uh, where a dude drove to the. It was a Clipper. Drove or was it a Clipper? Dude drove to the basket, had an, an open layup, and he kicked it out. Mm. It could have helped him win the game, but he just wasn't thinking. Like he had the bucket and he tossed it out and kicked it out to the perimeter with no defender in front of him. You know, stuff like that. Draymond driving to the bucket the other day against the uh, against you know and, and going up and when he's thinking first pass, do I pass? Do I shoot? Do I pass? Not here to criticize professional athletes. Of course. Saying that mental, man, it's a mental game. These guys are not only the best professional athletes when it comes to physical talent and physical strength, but they're also the most mentally prepared players out of all the rest of them. Because you and I both know people that can go for 40 on any given night, but they can't deal with all the stuff that comes with it. They're just not built for it, or they they just don't want to. You know what I mean? Or they don't have the skill set to whatever. And so, you know, these athletes bring in billions and billions of dollars, dude, professional. And, you know, the, the college thing is a whole nother thing where these kids are playing for free and the universities are making hell of money off. These hell kids. of money. And these kids get nothing out of it. But in education, a communications degree or a liberal arts degree, not to knock those. But I think we all kind of know that sometimes it's like it's it's not really what, you know, you feel me. And so. You know, and that's why I want to work with college athletes is to help them really feel like they have something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. Because the truth of the matter is, even if I end up at a place like Cal or Stanford, where probably these Bay Area college kids have the most opportunity to become professional, right? Most of them won't be. 
Mm-hmm. Most of them, you said there's 500 athletes in the end. There's 15 seats on 30, just 450 of them. Mm-hmm. 450? Like that. And, and all of them in high school were putting up 35, 25 a night. You know what I'm saying? All of them. They were all balling. You yeah. know? And so I think a lot of it is too is being able to tap in with these with these young adults and say, what are your other interests? What else do you want to do? You know, I had a kid when I was uh, I did a college uh, uh, I did a college uh, internship at a Bay Area University last year and was working with a kid who was literally 6'6", 225, played high school at one of played high school ball at one of those big academies on the other side of the country and was 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 the dude out there but was the last player on the bench at this college and was working at a restaurant you know like while going to school and playing sports um in the off season and i asked him i said yo like is there anything else that you because if i'm gonna sit here and tell this kid that yeah well the pros are gonna happen i'd be doing them a disservice and this kid looked at me and he kind of looked around and he was like i kind of want to do interior design I'm like, what? Interior design? And I think he thought I was gonna like laugh at him or like mm-hmm. act like like a like like an athlete came. And I'm like, bro, you know, we just started working on different things and looking at different schools and different things, you know, internships, all these different things that we could look at and really investing. And it made him feel some type of way because it's like, wow, somebody actually believes I can do this and they see it as a positive thing. It's not someone just telling me, Oh, you're not gonna hoop, well then what, what the fuck are you gonna do? You know? And so like, it's really about being able to show, like, I went back with my other kids, bro. put the options out on the table. It's about killing the ignorance, man, and showing that, like, you don't have to do one thing to be great. There's so many other things you can do, and you're not settling, you know what I'm saying? You're learning, dude, like, you know, and it's, it's, it's all about how you want to view it, right? And so, I just hope that more and more of these young, like, young people that I'm working with in my actual professional job, and then the young student athletes that I'm working with are all able to find happiness, man. That's what it's about. It's not even really about success, bro. It's, are you happy? Yeah. Yeah. What you said there is like pretty much the, the, the goal, bro. Like everybody's definition of success is different. You feel me? And yeah. I think, I think the approach that you take, bro, working with your clients and your kids or, or, or whoever you're working with, bro, is, is such a great approach because, you're not necessarily giving them all the answers to the test. You're asking them the questions that get their mind going in a way that they, they eventually come to the answer themselves. And it's always much more satisfying that way. If you're that person that finally gets the answer, you're like, Oh, I get it. You know what I'm wow. saying? And then it's, it's more like the long-term sustainability is, is, is going to set them up like way more for what they got going on in their lives, bro. And, you know, that's just, again, incredible work that you're doing, bro. And, and, Thank you. you know, um, you know, we, we, we approaching about an hour right now, bro. So I don't want to take too much more of your time, but I, I definitely want to get you back on here. Like I told you off script, bro, like we're going to make this happen, you know, more than on more than one occasion for damn sure. But before we get, before we get up out of here, man, was there anything you wanted to talk about? You know what I'm talking about? That was like, we didn't really get a chance to do. No, I mean, I, like I said, man, I'm glad that I had the opportunity to do this with you, bro. And like I said, I'd love to reconnect more like this with, with folks that I grew up with, man. Uh, I see this as, a huge opportunity to grow and build and help other people. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. Um, you don't know who you reach with this stuff, man. All it takes is a couple clicks of a share button and you never know, man, you know? And um, I just think that it's really important that everybody, but also men of color step up and start talking about things like this and normalizing that we all struggle and we all succeed from struggles when we try and that, you know, there's a lot of different options out there to be happy. There's a lot of different options out there to be successful. Um, and there's a lot of different ways to express yourself and feel good, man. You know, um, and that, yeah, we all make mistakes and, you know, it's, it's, it's okay. It's okay. You know, and it, it's, it's all about being able to support one another and helping somebody else when you have that opportunity to do it. Right. And so once again, man, yeah, I'm totally down to do this again. And, talk more and touch on more things and you know um but yeah much success to you bro like I said this was awesome bro I'm glad that I was able to reconnect man and you got my number you know what I'm saying you can holler at me whenever bro and you know um 
Yeah, bro. Like I said, I mean, to be honest, man, all I'm trying to do is just help these kids and then be the best father to my son and best husband to my wife that I can be, bro. And that's it. Bro, you doing that because you're you going to be an example for Santi, bro. I already know, man. Like, just you doing the work. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like, I always felt that, you know, the best way to teach somebody is to do it yourself, man. Just show them mm -hmm. to be that example, bro. And as your son gets older and he starts to see you more and more doing what you're doing, finding that fulfillment in your craft and whatever you're doing, bro, and that, and living within your purpose, bro, I feel like that's the, like um, like that's almost better than putting a roof over his head because you're giving him these certain uh, concepts, ideas, ways to kind of live life, bro, in a more uh, happier way, healthier way, bro. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, mm -hmm. I just shout out, shout out to you, bro. Real talk, man. Thank, Thank you. you for joining us, man. I'm just really happy to, happy to see your progress, my G. You know what I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. We just like keep going and keep growing, bro. That's one of the common themes in my podcast, bro. And definitely have, happy to have you over here, bro. And I'm looking forward to having you on again, bro. Right on, Chris. Thanks a lot, man. Real ass shit, bro. But yeah, man. Thank y'all, everybody, for tuning in to the Bless Beyond Measure podcast. We're going to do this again. And like we do every time, man, stay blessed, y'all. Big love to everybody. Hey.